audio check. Super excited to have another good friend of mine, Jenny Orozco, that has been in a current PGY2 situation where she's specializing in oncology, which is crazy to me. But Jenny, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. No problem. I am <laughs> super excited to learn. So fun fact, which I'm not sure if you knew this, but my mom, who's a nurse, yes. has been in oncology for, she did oncology for 20 years as a nurse at Baptist. Wow, definitely did so, not know that. Yeah, she's been an inspiration <laughs> to me to, you know, be in healthcare and things like that. And so I'm really excited to learn more about it because um, I know nothing beyond what I borderline failed in school <laughs> about <laughs> <laughs> oncology and pharmacy. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's let's start by uh, telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, as Richie mentioned, I had the pleasure of meeting him at the University of Florida, where I obtained my PharmD degree. But before that, I was still at UF. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences, originally from Miami, Florida, born and raised. Five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, prior to moving to New York, um, I did my postgraduate year one or PGY one at Jackson Memorial Hospital down here in Miami. And then I decided to specialize further and moved to New York City, where I'm currently at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, completing my PGY2 in adult oncology. Nice. So I want to start off with really understanding, like, what is, um, whether it be in the PGY2, which I guess we can do it separately. So you're working with um, pharmacists that are doing oncology, right? That they're specialized in yeah, oncology. Correct. For them, what have you observed is their, like, day-to-day yeah, yeah, um, yeah. At work. So honestly, like, I think that what's truly wonderful at the institution that I'm at is the amount of specialists that they have, right? Mm -hmm. Because you get to see a wide array of not just people specializing in like hematological malignancies, so malignancies of the blood or um, solid, more solid like tumors. Um, so you get a wide array of these specialists. So their day-to-day, -day, depending on what um, area you're rotating through, is what, it, it varies. It's mm -hmm. so different. Um, what's really cool about um, whether you're doing solids or heme um, is that they really you get both the inpatient and outpatient setting mm. so as well as uh, you get your own time for research as well because they're very um, they definitely are supportive in terms of like publishing and um, getting um, getting you out there mm -hmm. so really um you know, the, that response varies because like if I'm telling you, for example, uh, what a day to day like looks like for a bone marrow, bone marrow transplant specialist, um, I can easily tell you that they round, they do morning rounds um, and that'll last like about until like 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. Take a break. Uh, they do p.m. rounds. So we gather like around 4 5 p.m. There's meetings to go to like selection meetings about who's going to be the next candidate um, that's eligible to receive a transplant. Um, multiple, multiple things. And that's just in the inpatient side, yeah. outpatient side, you deal more with the chronic 
um, yeah. the chronic symptoms and side effects that come along after you know you get the transplant. So there, you're doing more education, more counseling. Um, if there's con- if there's complications, uh, if they they want to introduce something that's over the counter, that we always suggest that they bring it to us in clinic. We review it, so make sure that there's no interactions. So that's that from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, that was just for a bone marrow transplant uh, for thoracic, which is a solid. A similar picture, rounds are a little bit quicker because um, you don't have these patients that are necessarily so neutropenic where there's much more things involved, much more, but there's still a lot of internal medicine involved. Um, you still meet up in the afternoons. Um, on the outpatient side for thoracic, for example, um, you are doing uh, new patient counseling. So patients are about to receive chemo for the first time. Mm. Again, uh, just more education, more following up, more making sure that everything's being followed through and patients are taking their medications that they're supposed to be taking them. Wow. So it varies. It's yeah. really, that's a really hard question. Just depends yeah. on the specialty. <laughs> yeah. So I hope that kind of yeah, well, brought some insight. I do hope that, you know, <laughs> listeners have, you know, saw a little bit closer into what it might be like if they decide to go, go this route. What about uh, for you, you know, being that you're a, a PGY2 resident uh, yeah. there, how, how, what's your day to day like? Yeah. Um, is it, an, and we can even see if it's any different from what your PGY1 was like also. Yeah. Um, I think that there's more expectations from you for sure as a PGY2 right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, you're expected no matter what service you're on to carry the team immediately. Um, so, you know, they give you a little bit of time to transition, um, but there's high expectations and they expect you to take on that specialist role, like within like the second or third week, um, of you being on rotation. (laughs) Yeah. It can be a little bit right in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely intimidating. (laughs) And I think, I think that what was nice for me specifically was that I was able to rotate through first like, uh, neurology and thoracic, which are solid, um, solid rotations. And those are a little bit, it's more internal medicine, more supportive care, whereas you get into your heme rotation, so your leukemia, lymphoma, bone marrow transplant, Mm -hmm. and those involve a lot more. Um, You have patients getting chemo inpatient, um, as opposed to the solids, um, you can see them getting more chemo outpatient, Mm -hmm. um, just because the side effects are associated with the chemotherapy. Things are more manageable outpatient than inpatient. Bone marrow transplant, of course, they're getting the transplant inpatient. A lot more happens. There's yeah. a lot more action that um, these patients are neutropenic, or meaning that they're like their white blood cell counts, their neutrophils, the things that really help you fight off infections within your immune system. Uh, they're on the floor, so you don't have that you know defense mechanism for yeah. opportunistic infections, for example. So same types of infections that you see with like HIV AIDS yeah. patients. And is there a lot of overlap? Um, because you know you're saying that there's different rotations mm-hmm. um, through the through the program. Is there a lot of overlap, or when you go from run, one rotation to the next? Is it like learning everything, something completely over again? What's nice What's that like? with the hemes, there is a little bit of more overlap. Um, with the solids, a little bit more different. Um, there's not as much overlap. Still similar in terms of like the supportive care side of it mm-hmm. and the internal medicine side, but sometimes it's like completely different drugs, like wow, absolutely yeah. like night and day, mm-hmm. like thoracic and neurology. No, like the type of um, meds that I was saying in both of those rotations were completely different in terms of like from a chemotherapeutic standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And what, what do you, what are you loving about it? Like what, what has been something that's like stuck out that you are like, man, this is like awesome. So glad I chose this. What, what, what do you love about it? Yeah, I think. Honestly, I could attribute my love for oncology from my PGY1 
um, at Jackson. Mm. Um, it's not a huge cancer center, but I did have the opportunity to rotate. We do st- they still have oncology and hematology at Jackson, of course. And I think that I was able to surround myself with mentors um, that really influenced me and seeing that relationship that they had with their patients and the impact that they had on the clinical team. I think that that was what really triggered me specifically to maybe want to pursue this or further look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those just the relationship that you create with your patients. That's what I truly love. And so that translated into, okay, what do I want from a PGY2? Yeah. So when looking at programs, I was like, all right, I want to go somewhere where I can see everything, um, which is kind of the same mindset that I had for PGY1. Um, Jackson's a huge, you know, level one trauma center, um, over 1,500 beds. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I would see everything there. And, uh, you know, going into that, I was like, all right, this is going to help me decide if I want to specialize or not, or mm-hmm. just, you know, cut it, cut my, cut, um, you know, cut, bring it bring it to an end here yeah. after pgi1 so that's that was another question i think that i was going to ask like did you always know you know that you were going to be doing a pgy2 or was that kind of like up in the air you decided when you got there what, what was that process like for you I think, you know, going from pharmacy school and then applying for PGY-1 and then being in PGY-1, you feel sometimes that like, you know, they push that on you a lot. Like, mm-hmm. all right, well, you you're you graduated. Like while we were in school, we saw that, you know, residency is the way to go. So they were pushing that on you. Yeah. And it was something that I, w- I did like because I was able to have um, the best of both worlds where I interned um, for a re- in the retail setting. And then during my rotations as a student, I picked them all clinical so I actually did a big chunk of a block at Jackson so I really wanted to do that to see okay do I want to stick to retail do I want to go to like the hospital setting Um, I decided you know to pursue a PGY1 and then there it was still up in the air actually whether I was going to pursue a PGY2 everyone's still like pushing it but it's a lot in terms of wanting to specialize in an area you know like you really it's another year of sacrifice it's another year of like putting your life on hold um, and it's a lot that it takes from you but if you really connect with something and you're willing to put in the time and effort and you know where it's going to take you and you say you know what this is worth another year this is worth it I think that that's what really um, pushes you and um, I made that decision probably like in December of last year after I had my oncology rotation at Jackson and again just the patients that I saw the mentors that I had Um, and you know I still I did it in the adult side I did in the pediatric side Um, and I even went as far as you know as even creating an a, like an, another rotation for myself at Jackson mm, nice. where like no one boss. Ha- yeah, where, where no one <laughs> nice. has no, where no one really like st- had there was no um, clinical sp- specialist there mm-hmm. it was for the gynecology oncology services um, and I really wanted to get another type of like experience and I was like look like can we make this happen I spoke to the physicians that I had to and the mentors that I had to and I pretty much created a rotation for myself nice. and that's why that after that after that third rotation I was like all right I think this is what I want to do so I mean definitely if you have that opportunity I think that you know get the most uh, get get as everything that you possibly can out of your PGI-1 experience that's what I did I really wanted to know if I actually wanted to specialize in this and that's why like I made I made these moves and I just wanted to see and Mm -hmm. really feel like if I was passionate about this and I was yeah so that's crazy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking too now because I just, you know, with all these different specialties that are um, that are becoming more popular, I'm wondering if, you know, there's no option almost. If you're going to do a PGY-1, it's like you almost have to do a PGY-2 at this point. Um, whereas I think it might have been a little different, you know, some years ago yeah. where it was okay if you just did a PGY-1. But now I just... I don't know. It's hard to see, you know, the like, why wouldn't you also just do a PGY-2? Yeah. I mean... 
you know, with a PGY-1, you can do internal medicine. Mm-hmm. You can, if you want to do more outpatient, you can do more of the ambulatory care setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely recommend that if you do want to specialize in something that you are wholeheartedly interested in it because it is a lot, you mm-hmm. know, no matter what specialty, whether it's critical care, transplant, oncology, infectious diseases, um, I think it is something that you really do have to be passionate about. And, and, you know, even though I'm, you know, six months away from, you know, completing a PGY2, it, the learning isn't going to stop. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to continue, you know, you, then you get board certified. Then you have to keep up with that. There's always something new coming out in your area of specialty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're on rounds and, you know, whether in the inpatient or outpatient setting, you're working with these physicians, like, that's something that I definitely have like seen and it transpired, especially now as a PGY2, the they the team really does depend on you a lot. Yeah. You know, as, rightfully so. As that specialist, yeah. like as that person that will, you know, will know basically every detail about the drug, you yeah. know? Um, and I think it's really cool because you know, where I'm at right now, it's one of the largest cancer centers, you know, um, in the US. And working with like world-renowned physicians um these people are published and they are at the top of their game and i think at first i was very intimidated by it because i'm like my gosh you know like i'm rounding with like they're kind of like superstars i'm like ah this person is like the person of neurology like the little wayne of like cancer (laughs) yeah (laughs) like there are papers on papers on papers like they know their stuff yeah and the fact that they, at the end of the day, that they still turn to me and ask me for my opinion and for what I feel like they should do and to double check the chemo order set that they're mm-hmm. about to sign to verify if there's any medications that are interacting prior to giving chemo to see, you know, patients get so many side effects, not just with the chemo, but what comes after. Mm-hmm. Um micromanaging that I mean I think like it just shows me like like what impact we have as like pharmacists as clinical specialists now the pharmacist role that you're you know or in general in oncology Mm -hmm. usually is it is there a lot of hands-on with chemo or is there mostly like just consult like you know uh, in terms of like I would call it MTM but just like consulting and speaking on rounds and making recommendations and is that like is there what's that you know balance like yeah so um so our role pretty much in terms of with the chemotherapy and it depends also what service you're on and the relationship that you develop with the attending physician. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, there's in the background, there's because it is considered a high risk medication, there's multiple levels of terms of uh, like staff pharmacists, for example, that are reviewing the orders. You have nurse practitioners that are reviewing the orders and then it comes down to, okay, everything has been verified. It goes through like three checks Um, and then it finally comes to the floor for the attending physician to sign it and so sometimes they are like you know they want to make sure okay is this is does everything look good so you'll sit next to them and you'll go through each patient that needs to get chemotherapy inpatient and see to make sure prior to them signing the order set yeah um if everything looks good if there's appropriate like supportive meds on board hydration things Mm -hmm. like that to consider um and yeah so you you'll do that on the inpatient side on the Mm -hmm. outpatient side um you do a lot of chemo teaching so you also work in conjunction a lot with like the nurse practitioners uh, or physician's assistants so the pas um and you provide that um that education as well especially for all new patients what Mm -hmm. to expect how long will each cycle be what are what medications are involved with each cycle um how long therapy is expected to go for um it's hard yeah so so, such a hard thing to do 
It is. And we do that also on the inpatient side as well. Like I said, it depends on what service you're on. Mm -hmm. So we do provide a lot of the chemo teaching and the chemo education. And of course, you can just expect someone that's brand new, you know, um, to like 21 questions, of course, yeah, probably yeah. more, you know, and it's a lot going through their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so you try to also know what to say and what not to say, because yeah. as you may know, <laughs> drugs can't, you'll read about it, right? Yeah, yeah, and you'll be like, a thousand, yeah, yeah you're going like, to die. Yeah. <laughs> like a QT prolongation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all this can happen to oh you, God, you know? So yeah. you have to figure out also, you know, what's the appropriate thing to say mm-hmm. and, you know, what maybe they should look out for. Yeah. So you got to find that like, perfect balance too in terms of like the education part of it i have a question in terms of like out like the outpatient setting um what what happens when a patient has a like further questions like you go through the whole teaching Mm -hmm. they go home they're like oh my god i have more questions like what are their options there yeah so i think that there's a cool they um so now that we're in an age where we use computers and everything um there's portals where they can um ask questions directly email either the physician or even and if it's more of a pharmacological question sometimes the physicians even forward it to us okay. um for clinics they can call directly and um, be addressed appropriately we even do have um for example with the bone marrow transplant they have like an emergency line because um, those patients are on a lot of of medications as well as immunosuppressants Mm-hmm. And so they're able to just contact the, the hotline and they'll be further directed. Awesome. So they do have outlets. It's not just like, all right, well, we're sending you off on your way. Yeah, you know, yeah. there, I think that the follow up is very well and it's very well tailored. And um, we try to answer as many questions as possible and make it as easy for them because this time in their lives is not easy. Yeah, super so. hard, yeah. All right. So I really wanted to. Um, so tell me a little bit about like we, we just talked about what's great about it, what you love about mm-hmm. it and, you know, how uh, what, what are the cool things you guys are doing. But what are some things that you do not like about it or what's or what's hard about, you know, doing oncology? All right. Um, I think that this is more of a personal matter for me yeah. in terms of what's difficult, um, not becoming so attached mm-hmm. to your patients, your cases. Um, you know, when I first started this, I was. You know, I went through my entire PGY-1 and saw some pretty bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, And prior to going into my PGY-2, I remember during orientation, they were very, um, very upfront about, you know, if you need to talk to someone or if, you know, if we're here, you know. To provide support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just from like a mental health aspect, like Mm -hmm. you're seeing pretty much like sometimes people dying on a day-to-day basis and um, losing hope and faith and you sometimes have to be that person and be that like I don't know like person of that motivates them that tells them you know like you know we're gonna get through one more cycle we're gonna go through this because you know the the chemo is fine as while they're getting it it's everything that comes after that's the hardest part about you know the treatments and um you know it's not just losing your hair it's the nausea that comes along with it it's um (laughs) the infections that could potentially come the pain Mm -hmm. a lot of pain is involved and i think that it really uh you know strikes a chord with me sometimes when i see patients that are my age or yeah. younger, uh, you know, tw- in their mid twenties, yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Why is this happening to me?" You know, and sometimes, like, I'm the pharmacist, and sometimes I do take that time out, like if I'm at bedside counseling them, and they just want to talk to me, you know, no matter X, Y, and Z, whatever I may have on my to do list, whatever projects I have to go back to, yeah. I take that time to talk to them, to yeah. hear them out, um, you know. Sometimes it gets to you, and 
And I have noticed it and it was more difficult in the beginning because I felt like I was getting so attached in terms of like, you know, I'm out here enjoying my life and I am, I'm so blessed and thankful to be so healthy. And sometimes I just, I'll like, I'll have like flashes of like some of my patients and what they're going through and seeing what they're going through. And I think that seeing that on a day to day basis, sometimes it makes it really difficult. Um, But I think I'm getting better at it. Um, But it's definitely, I think that that's what makes my this whole experience a little bit more difficult for me. Yeah. You know, I've, everyone's different. Some people are able to detach and disconnect. And, yeah. is, um, is there advice maybe that you would have? Because, you know, there might be a listener out there that is wanting to do something like this or even anything that has to do with, you know, uh, a career path that involves a lot of people um, possibly passing away um, yeah. with them. Is there advice that you maybe have for them and how you either deal with it or what you've been given advice from like others that are dealing with the same thing? Yeah, I think that um, talking about it, I think that also if you do find yourself in those experiences, I think that I I had also some of my preceptors that are very understanding and aware of the situations that we're in sometimes that they'll just come up to me and they'll be like, hey, are you OK? Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about it? I know it was kind of a rough week. Um, so being able to, you know, just talk about it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, if it's something that, if it's someone that's trying to get into, um, you know, maybe seeing what oncology is like, how it is, maybe like volunteering in a cancer center and seeing and putting yourself in that situation. Um, cause sometimes you can be that person that just brings a little bit of hope and happiness to, you know, if you're around that situation, but yeah, putting yourself and seeing, putting yourself firsthand in that situation and seeing what, what these patients are going through. Yeah. Um, I think that that's some advice that I do have, but definitely not bottling it in, um, just because it can, it can build up sometimes and you finding that like disconnect and it's, it's important and just be self-aware and understanding what you're getting yourself into. Wow. That's super important. I really do hope that, you know, people get a lot from that, from that advice because, I don't know if I would honestly like I don't know how you I don't even know how my mom did with it for so yeah. long I don't know how you guys but mm-hmm. it's it's such an amazing ability to that you guys can be in, that, in those positions yeah. and and it's such a like a vital role for you know for the community so yeah um, but on a more you know <laughs> happier note yes. I would say um, <laughs> let's talk about you know for for people that are in school right now that are you know kind of thinking about maybe they've already made that decision as like, I really want to do oncology, um, but they're still a student, whether it's P1, P2, mm-hmm. 2PD, 3PD, whatever. What advice would you have for them to maybe start like getting on the ball for, for moving in that direction? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult from my standpoint because I had n- absolutely no clue while I was in school <laughs> yeah. what I want to do in my life. Yeah. Um, but is there maybe something you wish but, you had done? Like, yeah. I know that, uh, you know, at the University of Florida, they did o- they do offer the oncology elective. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely if your program offers an elective of some sort, doing that um, in terms of then when you start heading off to on your uh, clinical rotations, making sure that you do incorporate that or you have that, you know, rotation available mm-hmm. um, and to get that experience just for for sure see firsthand the type of patient population that you're going to be dealing with and to see if you can actually do this on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. um, if you're applying to residencies. And um, I think that you should definitely look into institutions that offer a a wide array. I feel like that's someone told me that as a student, and I feel like that's the best advice that I can give someone. Pick a PGY-1 that can show you everything. Um, so you have the opportunity to kind of like, you know, make up your mind, see, maybe you want to stick to internal medicine, maybe it's transplant, maybe it's IT, maybe it's critical care, yeah. have those options available from your PGI one, from your, uh, ro- um, student rotational experiences. Yeah. 
Now, being that, you know, some schools and programs do have electives, in your experience, um, or maybe, and maybe you have this because you've talked with other students or other residents, how do you feel that programs are doing now to prepare students um, for this type of specialty? How, how, do you, how do you feel about that? I think, um, I think that they're actually doing a pretty good job, especially mm-hmm. like from the program that we came from, um, mainly because I think that they reinforce a lot of the internal medicine background. I think that mm-hmm. that's crucial for, um, for PGY2 and for this specific type of specialty mm-hmm. um, because you get a strong foundation from like an ID perspective because you're dealing a lot with infections, understanding how to like manage uh, pain, um, converting from a PCA to oral medications or vice versa. Um, from the chemotherapeutic standpoint, yes, you get an introduction in terms of like what are platinums, for example, mm-hmm. and like the common side effects. And I think that they do a good, good job in terms of giving you like the basics of like what it is that you need to know, because everything comes in PGI2, like the, the, the details about like the chemo from the chemotherapy standpoint mm-hmm. and the newer stuff, the immunotherapy, the targeted therapy. CAR T cell therapy, all these like cutting edge things. Like, so that comes, like, you don't need to know about that unless you're actually specializing in it. Mm-hmm. But the basics, the foundation, things that we get tested on for our boards to get licensed, I think that that's, I think they do a great job. Like, knowing those foundations is what you need to continue to move forward in the specialty. And definitely, like, strengthening your internal medicine is something that I recommend for yeah. everyone. So they don't need to be like, a, like an oncology expert before they go into that specialty, absolutely like, because not. they're going to get everything. Okay. Gotcha. Cause that um, would be terrifying. I'm sure for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely <laughs> not. And I was actually, when I remember when I was interviewing for my PGY twos and you know, you have to give presentations and this, this and that, and they ask you clinical questions. And I'm just like, I have absolutely no clue like yeah. about like what they're going to ask me or they can ask me some left field, like oncology questions. I'm going to have absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm only a PGY one. I've had some exposure, but not to a certain extent. What was nice is that, you know, at certain places they let you you know, like we don't expect you to know oncology. They'll tell you right off the bat. Yeah. Like we don't expect you to know this. We don't. That's why you're pursuing a PGY two. Mm-hmm. But they will ask you basics in terms of like you know dosing vancomycin and aminoglycosides, things that you should already know at baseline and be able to like hit the ground running and being mm-hmm. able to manage that. Like because those questions, those are the type of stuff that I don't have to run through my preceptors. I do that on my own. Yeah. So those like little things, micromanaging certain those those specific things, changing bowel regimens, even anti-emetics or for nausea, you know, um, those aren't things that they expect you to always like run by them or ask them. They ex- yeah. you're, a, you're, um, you're a pharmacist already you're, mm-hmm. and you're halfway there and you should be able to do that on your own. So having that good internal medicine background, knowing what antibiotics cover, what, what bugs and things like that. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely something that some that you should solidify during your PGY1. And what are the best, um, what are the best like resources, I guess, that you guys have available specifically for oncology and maybe if you know someone wants to take a peek at it or they're just now they're going to be starting soon so they can start getting familiar maybe with it what are some good resources for people in uh in oncology uh are you talking about like guidelines specifically or just yeah i mean it could be guidelines (laughs) books i mean you know apps i don't know like anything anything that you find like pertinent that you know wouldn't yeah i think that like if you kind of want to start learning a little bit in terms of like the american cancer society i think that that's a good resource like online um because I feel like maybe if you start going into the guidelines, you might get a little bit overwhelmed. You're like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I think that the um, um, Ash American Society of Hematology, for example, they have good resources. It's called How, How Do I Treat or How Can I Treat Blank? 
Um, oh, so cool. yeah, so it, they ha- they also have like how do I treat thrombocytopenia and juice purpura like ITP, you know? Yeah. Um, how do I treat um, GVHD or Graffert-Host disease, which is a complication from uh, BM uh, from bone marrow transplant? Mm-hmm. So that's a, a type of resource that is available for everyone. So how do I treat? How can I treat blank? Um, and that's more for hematological malignancies. Of course, you have the NCCN guidelines. So um, that's a huge cancer network um, that publishes guidelines mm. for every type of disease state. And they're free um, to access them online. You just create an account and yeah. everyone has ask, a- In case access anyone to that. Wants some, you know, summer reading <laughs> material. We got it for you. (laughs) But I don't recommend jumping into the guidelines just yet, especially as a student. Um, I think that being able to, like, becoming, knowing where to look is always really important and knowing that those resources are available. ASCO is another one, so American Society of Oncology. Well, that's, Um, you know, knowing where to look is such a big part of being a pharmacist as it is because, you know, being a pharmacist is like we're supposed to be the ninjas of everything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that has to come within, and we're all humans, we're not computers, so we can't know every single aspect and detail of everything. Yeah. So a lot of it is just knowing where to go to find what we need as fast as possible. So yeah, um, it's definitely an important skill to have forever and ever. Yeah, (laughs) forever (laughs) in whatever specialty you go into. (laughs) Let me tell you, because we will not know everything and and it's okay to be able to tell your team and, you know, like knowing when to say that, like, you know, this is something that I need to look up. Yeah, or this yeah. is something that I'm not too sure of. I think it may be this, but let me get back to you mm-hmm. within an appropriate time frame. I think that's definitely a skill to always have and to work on for yeah. sure. And being that you're, you know, being that you're six months deep into being a PGY2, mm-hmm. into your PGY2 program, what would your best advice? There's going to be a lot of students, or sorry, a lot of pharmacists now that are going to be embarking on their PGY2 um, coming up soon. What advice would you have for them? Um, you know, before they, they kind of go off on, onto that journey. Yeah. I think it's definitely brace yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it depends on your, the program um, that you're applying to and what the, you know, what expectations to have. Of course, like you've already looked into the program, you already know what they offer. Obviously you applied to this program. Um, but knowing that a PGY2, like you already broken down before in PGY1, like, going into it knowing that a PGY2 is just going to break you down again and build you into someone stronger, someone that you've never known Mm -hmm. Um, because you're going into a field specifically that you've kind of tested the waters on before, like as of, as a first year resident, but now you are the specialist in this area and you are going to learn things about yourself um, that you've never learned before, whether it's from, like I said, an emotional standpoint with your patients or whether it's just like, I never knew this about like, you know, oncology or transplant or Mm -hmm. uh, also realizing the role that a specialist plays in a specific area. So I think keeping your mind open and just knowing that, I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy ride, but it's going to be worth it. And that there's going to be times where you, you're questioning yourself because you're, you know, you, you're not taking a break in between. You've just ended your PGY-1. You're kind of tired at that point after yeah. a first year residency. And so now you have to like muster up the strength and find the energy to go one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that, you know, what like that passion and that drive that made you apply in December, you got to still have that motivation and that drive. And mm-hmm. you will, you know, it may be a challenge at first and then, you know, you have those certain cases and you have those certain mentors that make you realize, all right, this is why I did this. Yeah. So, I mean, just going in it, knowing, yes, you're going to be tired. Yes, there's going to be challenges, but it's going to be worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. I have <laughs> a pretty important question 
to ask. Okay. And it's, it's about something <laughs> I recently posted on our on our Instagram page. And being that you were in community, yes. you know, before. Yep. <laughs> we need to know, are you team lisinopril or team lisinopril? <laughs> um, I'm definitely lisinopril all Lysa- the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm Liz. I'm Your Liz. Lisinopril. Lisinopril. Lys- yeah. I think lisinopril rolls off the tongue a lot I mean, easier. Lisinopril. That's, I think the Lisinopril exact- makes me think harder. <laughs> lisinopril. <laughs> yeah. I think the exact opposite of lisinopril rolls off much better. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, you know, for for taking the time and, and talking to us about yeah. about your specialty. And uh, if someone wants to continue the conversation with you, what would be the best place that they can reach you? Yeah, definitely uh, via email. Okay, so it's gonna be my last name: O R O Z as in zebra, C as in cat, O J at mskcc.org. Okay, and I'll definitely <laughs> put that into the show notes so people can find you and email you if they have more questions. Um, again, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's truly really a pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I hope it was as insightful to you as it was to me. Please leave me a comment on Instagram or on iTunes. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Any feedback is going to be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.